0: Okay, anyway, uh, I was not here last week, so this is the first time for me, and uh, that's why it still feels pretty strange. It does remind me of my youth pastor days when I preach to pretty consistently about five or six, seven people every week, and uh, there are seven people um, in this sanctuary. So um, obviously this is an unprecedented time. None of us have experienced anything like this before and uh, you really can't get away from what's going on with the coronavirus. Everywhere you turn, someone's telling us something about the coronavirus and um, we see how the virus is rapidly spreading everywhere across the world Uh, and we think about just the worst case scenarios. We hear about that and it makes us worry, makes us fearful. So so how are we to think about all of this? I want to Talk about that. The title of the sermon is How Then Shall We Live? How Then Shall We Live? And it comes from Ruth chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. And I'm going to try to do this without the PowerPoint so that you can just focus on uh, listening. Let me pray for us before we begin. Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy and your love for us in our lives. We thank you that in all circumstances, no matter what circumstances, you are at work to accomplish your uh, redemptive purposes in our lives and in this world. We trust in you for that. We pray that you would give us wisdom through your word and uh, help us to see you clearly through the guidance of your word. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Um, Okay, so some lessons from Ruth. I'm going to first look at these verses, verses 1 through 5, and then we'll draw a few lessons from it. Ruth chapter 1, verse 1. It says In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man of Bethlehem and Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab. He and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. The first thing that we're told in verse 1 is that the story of Ruth takes place at the time of the judges. And you might be familiar with the, the, the phrase that's repeated over and over again in the book of Judges, where it says, in those days, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. For example, Judges 21, 25 says that. It's repeated over and over again. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. So the account of Ruth takes place at a time when God's people were not observing God's laws. It was a time when God's people lived doing what they wanted to do. And we're also told in verse 1 that there was a famine in the land. And those two things are related. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes, and there was a famine in the land. And we see this pattern repeated in the Bible. When God's people are spiritually starving themselves away from the word of the Lord, God starves them physically through a famine to show them what a drought they're in spiritually. And this is the context in which this story takes place. The family of Elimelech went to Moab, presumably to escape the famine, because we're told later that they return, uh, that Naomi returns when there was food again. We can imagine kind of situation that they're in, what it must have been like to live in a time and a place where there's a famine. The most basic thing you need to survive, you don't have. So after you run out of food and water, you look for other ways to find more. And eventually, you you run out of options, so you have to look elsewhere. And that's what it seems like Elimelech and his family are doing. They went to Moab. Now, we can ask this question, was it wrong for them to move to Moab to escape the famine? And I guess we can't automatically assume that that move was wrong, but I think we can safely say that God's intention was for his people to turn to God in the famine. I think that's a safe assumption, that in the famine, what God wanted was for his people to turn to him. The Lord did not send the famine so that his people can relocate elsewhere and wait for the famine to pass. God sent this famine to expose the state of their hearts. God wanted his people to repent and return to him. So the proper way to respond would have been to to first examine their lives and repent for being away from the Lord. They were supposed to seek God in the famine. But by going to Moab, in some ways, they're trying to escape the very thing that the Lord is doing in their lives. God says, here's a hardship I'm bringing into your lives so that you can repent and return to me. And they say, oh, there's no food here, but that's okay because there's food over there, so we'll go over there. Their lives, it seems, are firmly in their own hands, and they don't see their need for God. And they're trying to control their own tomorrow by going to Moab. So they went to Moab, hoping to make their lives better, but that plan didn't work, as something totally unexpected happens. Verse 3 says, but at Limelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. So now Naomi is left with her two sons. They eventually marry Moabite women, Orpah and Ruth, and then more tragedy strikes this family. It says in verse 4, they lived, where, they lived there about 10 years and both Malan and Kilian died. The two sons also died so that the woman was left without, without her two sons and her husband. First, Naomi's husband dies and then both her sons die. So what is this story teaching us and uh, how are we to apply this situation into our lives today. Uh, First lesson, trust God in hardships. Trust God in hardships. Um, Elimelech and his family go to Moab looking to escape, looking for a better situation, and they cannot find it. Staying in Judah meant suffering and hardships, repentance depending on the Lord for every meal. But on the other hand, there was food in Moab. Moab clearly looked like the better option. But they go to Moab, and they're met with some other ways to die. And of course, we don't conclude from this that everyone who turns away from the Lord will will be met with worse tragedy in this life or suffering in this life. That's not what we're saying. But this story does teach us that we can never find security in this world away from the Lord. Even in famine and hardship, the only place where we can have shelter is when we are with the Lord. I guess we're in a similar situation today as Elimelech was. Elimelech had a famine, and we have the coronavirus. And we have to remember in our situation that the Lord is the almighty God who controls the universe. He's a sovereign lord who rules over all. So it's not it's not just enough to say trust God because oh he's he's sovereign he's not he's not surprised by the coronavirus. It's not just enough to say that. God is not surprised by the coronavirus because he orchestrated the coronavirus into our lives. Just as God ordained that time for his people to go through the famine God ordained a certain period of time for us to experience this famine. So how should we go through this? What kind of attitude should we have? Most people are trying to get through this time, just get through this time, just trying to escape the virus. But again, God did not orchestrate this situation so that we can just bunker down and wait for it to pass. Many people are reading up on the on the virus situation, watching videos, keeping up with the news, which are all good things so that we can stay informed. But then that knowledge can easily turn into false hope. And this is why people um, uh, place their hope in, in wrong things, other things. We come to conclusions like, you know, this is why you know, we need to stay, ho- stay home. Because mathematically, this is how the law of exponential growth works. This is how testing has to improve. This is how hospitals can stay afloat, which are all good thoughts. But as we do that, we begin to place our hope in in things like science and governments and human human strategies. And we have to be careful not not to turn to Moab for our hope, because ultimately, we know that that won't work. In the midst of all of this, everyone's just trying not to get sick. But again, not getting sick cannot be our highest priority because that is not God's highest priority. If that was God's highest priority, then, then He would have killed the virus a long time ago before it left its source. Even in the famine, God's highest priority, as His people were going through that, His highest priority was not to fill the stomachs of His people but to return his people to himself. And God was using hunger to do it. So the main question we have to ask ourselves is, what what do I turn to in the hardships of my life? Who do I trust during the famine? James chapter 4 warns us against this, this kind of attitude of trying to control your own tomorrow. James says, you make all these kinds of plans for tomorrow, but you don't even know what tomorrow will bring. We have no control over what happens tomorrow. So his conclusion is we have to live our lives humbly before God, trusting God even for our very next breath. Now, during this pan- pandemic, there are a lot of items that are, that are selling out fast at grocery stores. And, and I think it's interesting that toilet paper is one of the hot items. And we want to put ourselves in situations Whatever way we can, we want to put ourselves in situations where we know what tomorrow will bring. And that heart, that heart that wants to control our tomorrow, that's expressed even through buying toilet paper in abundance. Because I want to know at at least tomorrow I'll have toilet paper in the house. But what should be flying off the shelf, so to speak, should be the word of God. Because this situation should be causing us to ask the question, what does God want of us? What is God saying to us? That question is a lot more important than wondering how we're going to wipe our butts tomorrow. We truly are at a time where people are away from the word of the Lord. And God wants his people to return to his word, and trust him with our very lives. Trust God in hardships. Secondly, love others in hardships. Trust God in hardships, love others in hardships. Now, does the call to trust God mean that we ignore the social distancing plea and just go about our lives as usual? Does trusting God mean that we physically gather together in one place for Sunday service? no it's not that easy because we have other things that we have to consider we know that the more we gather the more the virus spreads and the more the virus spreads more people get sick and die so this virus situation calls for a lot of wisdom it's not it's not clear cut like for example if you're persecuted for your faith you you'll still risk your life and preach the gospel because Because in that situation, it's clearly that's what it means to trust God for your life. But in this situation, if you trust God and still gather to worship God, then not you, but other people might die. And that's why we have to heed the call to self-quarantine and keep social distance, even though the chances of something happening among us might be slim. So we have to navigate this not only with faith in God, but with love for others. A good question that young people can ask themselves is, what if this was a virus that affected young people the most? Instead of the elderly, what if this affected young people the most? Would we respond differently? Will we still go out freely and gather and do what we might be doing now? So in this situation, young people, the healthy young people are the ones that have to sacrifice and stay home out of love for others. By the way, uh, a lot of lot of people are are going to lose money during this time. So one of the ways that you can love others is by supporting small business owners. Maybe you can go out and order carry out from your local family owned restaurant or something like that. Christine came home the other day with all these donuts. I was like, why'd you buy all these donuts? How much was all this? And she's like, they're good. And then she goes, oh, it's a, it's a small family-owned business. People are struggling and they need help. And after she said that, I couldn't say anything. And the donuts, <laughs> they really were good. Uh, if you're interested, it's Heights Bakery in Fridley. And, uh, you know, th- that might be one way that we can love others in this hardship. Trust God in hardships, love others in hardships. Thirdly, uh, third lesson, expose our idols. Expose our idols. A lot of things that are important to us in our normal lives are being exposed for what what they really are. Just extra, non-essential things that consume our lives. We all know, for example, money is a huge idol in our world today. We live, we live in the wealthiest nation in the world, and materialism is one of the most prevalent sins. We know how to possess. We know very little how to give. Now, this virus will inevitably affect our economy. It's exposing our country's pursuit of wealth and even our own idolatry of wealth, the importance of money in our lives. Sports, for example, the whole sports world has shut down. There are no sports to watch on TV. Most of the shows with pundits, you know, talking about sports is all gone. So all the sports junkies don't know what to do with their spare time now. Um, Our boys' AAU basketball tryouts was supposed to be this weekend. And, uh, you know, they're used to playing basketball almost every day. Now all the gyms are closed and it's, it's been cold outside and, and so we can't play basketball. And so things like that, we're forced to evaluate. Right? Is, is sports too important in my life? Is it too important to, to, to my heart, what I'm devoting myself to in my heart? The situation exposes our idols, forces us to pause and think about what's really important in life. It's showing us that a lot of things that we give our time and energy to are not the things that we should be giving our devotion to. And this situation also really makes us evaluate the depth of our relationship with God. When hardships come, like this or even worse things, will my faith stand? Obviously, this situation is uncomfortable, but it's not terrible for for most of us. But when Truly terrible times come. Will my faith stand till the end? Christine told me that last week when she went grocery shopping, um, she said that it was mostly the the quick and easy foods that that were gone from the grocery store. Processed foods like corn dogs, chicken nuggets, foods that are easy to make. This week, she went to the grocery store again, and this time she said the items that that you need, the items that you need to make real food are now gone. Things like flour, sugar, eggs, oil, butter, base ingredients that you need to make all kinds of foods. You see, so this situation, this whole virus situation, exposes our idols, the things that we love in this world, and along with that, it exposes the processed food faith that we have in our lives. Our knowledge of God often consists of a verse here, or a passage there, a quick and easy faith that makes our relationship with God convenient. But hardships have a way of stirring up real faith, bringing out the base ingredients of our relationship with God. Do I truly believe in God? Do I truly trust him with my very breath? It causes us to ask questions that we normally don't ask because a lot of times it's too easy. It's too convenient. We don't have to. So during times like this, it it helps us to see what's important. It helps us to see the need to get deeper into the word of God, that I need to really trust God so that my faith will be able to overcome any difficulties I face in my life. Fourthly and lastly, trust God in hardships, love others in hardships, expose our idols, and then lastly, watch your life and repent. Watch your life and repent. I think it's fascinating that this one little virus brings the whole world to a halt. I mean, think about the the changes that this one virus made in the entire world. The entire sports world is shut down. Our economy is sinking. Airports are closing, countries are closing their borders, all because of this one virus. When the famine hit the the land at the time of Ruth, there were probably many people who explained it away, just explained it away with natural causes, right? Oh, it's because we haven't had rain and we were due for a season like this. Things like this happen once in a while, we just have to get through it. You see, back in Deuteronomy, in God's law, God said, Deuteronomy 28, verse 15, but if you will not obey the voice of the Lord, if you will not obey the voice of the Lord your God, or be careful to do all his commands and his statutes that I command you today, then all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. That's what God promised, and of course, One of the curses was no rain and no harvest, famine. Through the famine, God was saying, repent and return to me. Return to my word. I heard an episode of Ask Pastor John earlier this week, and John Piper called the coronavirus a a thunderclap from God, a thunderclap from God, that God is trying to get our attention, calling people to repent. That's exactly what this is. God does one little thing, and the whole world comes to a halt. With one small virus, God gets the attention of the entire world. And he says, repent and turn to me. You know, whenever things like this happen, or whenever there's a natural disaster, some people will say, you know, these are the signs of the end of the, the the end times, the beginning of labor pains, as the Bible talks about. The end is near. Some people are going to say that, and we hear things like that, and we have a tendency to push them off. Oh, of course, those pe- those people are going to say that, but you know, like they're always saying those. They're they're too charismatic. They're too out there, and uh, we don't really take them seriously. But we cannot cannot dismiss those thoughts. Jesus himself warned his disciples, Matthew 24, saying that things like wars and famines and earthquakes, he says, will be signs, signs of the end of the the age. In other words, he's saying, signs means he's saying there will be warnings. Before the really difficult times come, there will first be less difficult times warnings to warn you to get your attention so that we can prepare our faith and turn to the Lord. Things that causes us to evaluate our hearts and evaluate the state of our faith and our relationship with God. So at the very least, this situation should cause us to examine our lives and stir our hearts to turn to way that most people are trying to handle this is it's really just trying to get through it you know we're waiting for all of this to blow over hopefully in a month or two all this will blow over and things will get back to normal but you see in many ways God does not want things to go back to the way they were he's saying there's something wrong with your normal he's saying examine your lives the unimportant things that you give your heart to, the processed food, convenient relationship with God that you're content with. Watch your life closely and repent. I was talking with another pastor who pointed out that that it's really interesting that the strong and healthy people, like some of the NBA athletes who have caught the virus, are not affected by the virus. They say things they say that they they feel like they can go and play right now. They don't have any symptoms. But it's the weak and the elderly that are dying from the virus. And the Bible says that that's what's happening now physically, what we see in this situation physically will happen spiritually in this world. Jesus said a time is coming when terrible things will happen, terrible things that makes pregnant women wish they were not pregnant. He says, you will be persecuted because of me. And when that time comes, he says, many will turn away from their faith. The love of most, he says, will grow cold. But those who stand firm with real faith, with a real relationship with God, will be saved. Those who don't truly have faith will die when hardships and persecution comes. So we need to take this. We need to take this situation as a warning to our soul and prepare our faith for even more difficult trials and hardships that will come. I hear a lot of uh, blaming going around even in the news because of the coronavirus situation. The Democrats are blaming Trump for how his administration failed to handle this crisis initially. The Republicans and some Taiwanese are blaming the Chinese for their part in this global outbreak. There is a lot of blame to go around, it seems, but Christians should not focus on those things. Christians should be busy looking at themselves. we're going to blame anyone we should be blaming ourselves i need to repent the church needs to repent we need to examine within first and turn to god ourselves this situation if anything should help us to see how holy god is this one little virus that god sends affects the world like this how holy is he how powerful is he and the thing is this virus It could have been a lot worse. That's how powerful he is. That's how holy he is. And he has been merciful to us. And we should fear God. It truly is a thunderclap from God. God is warning us to wake up, to watch our lives, and he's saying, return to me. Let's pray together. gonna close our worship with just one song and I just wanted to sing out of all the different type of songs that we can sing I just wanted to sing a song of worship to God just praising God for his his holiness and his greatness uh, just even demonstrate it through the situation. Uh, let's turn our eyes away from circumstances, the news, even ourselves our worries, our fears. Let's turn to the Lord. That's exactly his intention for us. Turn to the Lord who controls the universe. And learn to trust him, get deeper in our relationship with him. So so we'll close our time with this song. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your great love for us. We thank you that uh, you... Speak to us and guide us with your word. Uh, We thank you that you show yourself to us uh, through your word and uh, your intention and desires constantly out of your love, draw your people closer to yourself. We pray that in this situation that it would really cause us to get deeper with you, help us spend time with you, get into your work, and get to know you more. uh, We pray that it would be the work of your spirit that accomplishes that in our lives, stirring real faith, enabling your people to become better uh, through the challenges and hardships that we go through. We just pray for our government, for our nation, for those that are sick, that are affected, for this world. We pray for your mercy through this. We pray for physical life. Uh, but even beyond that, we pray that hearts would turn to you. We pray for even workers all over the world that are still laboring to preach the gospel through this time. We pray that you would bless that work and allow the gospel to go forth. And many people will come to know you and turn to you through this global crisis. Be with us in the, just even the mundaneness of our own daily lives these days. You would help us to know that you are near and that not a single day is wasted when we learn to take shelter and refuge in you. Be with your people. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, his incredible, unchanging covenant love, the love of the Father God, the fellowship and the strength Power of the Holy Spirit be with you both now and forever. Amen.